Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. I'm Jim Richards. Welcome to Impact Cyber Church. I'm telling you, uh, you know, I've gotten on this thing and, and, and for the last several weeks we talked about bringing your faith to life. And I just can't let go of this because you know something? Everything about our relationship with God is dependent on our faith because Jesus has already done his part. God's already done his part. Everything that we need for life and godliness has already been given. But the only way that we can involve ourselves with that is by trust or by faith. And so, you know, I'm going to keep going in this for a few more weeks because I want you to come to the place to where you have unshakable, immovable faith. That's what we're going to be talking about today. So, you know, you might want to get ready, get your pen, your, pa your paper, get, the, get your Bible, contact some of your friends, pull your family together. But, but we want to come to this place where you have immovable, unshakable faith no matter what you're facing. So don't go away. I'll be back in just a couple of minutes and we'll dive into this. Hey, I've got a great download for you this month all the evidence you need. You say what that's about? I'll tell you what that's about. That's about gathering the evidence to persuade your heart to believe God for whatever you need in your life right now. Listen, download this right now. It's my gift to you. You know, the series that we're offering this month is called Faith, the Missing Pieces. And this is, this is so important. It's not just trying, I'm not just trying to give you just a, a neat little title, but I want you to understand something. Most of you have the majority of the pieces of faith, but you don't have the pieces that link everything that you know about faith together. And, and so it's not like you've got to relearn faith. It's not like you've got to find out a whole bunch of new stuff. But what you want to find out is what are the missing pieces in my understanding about faith uh, so that I can make it operate. You know, one of the things that we learned last month when we were talking about uh, bringing your faith alive is the fact that God has given all of us a gift of faith. And, you know, in Ephesians 2.8, it tells us that, you know, for by grace... In other words, by God's power, by God's ability, by God's strength working in your heart, you are saved, healed, delivered, blessed, prospered, protected, set apart, made whole. You know, all, all of the aspects of salvation. So it's, it's, it's by grace, through faith. And it says, and that not of yourself, it's a gift of God. I want you to understand something. Everyone has a measure of faith. Everyone has in them the latent potential to trust God. Otherwise, it'd do no good to preach the gospel to people. Otherwise, we would just be preaching intellectual arguments uh, to try to convince somebody intellectually to believe and to trust God. And faith is not in the intellect. Faith is in the heart. Faith gets down to the concept uh, of who you are and who God is to you it, and, and you know what's the character and the nature of God. And so, we, we learned last month that you can have faith that is not actually effective. It's not actually operating. It's not really producing anything. And so that's why Paul told Philemon how to activate his faith. And if you didn't watch last month's uh, programming, you might want to go back and watch it. 
And uh, you know, one of the things that we talked about last, last month and the series that we offered last month was Wisdom for Healing. Now, now that series is not just about physical healing, even though we, we talk a lot about physical healing. It's, a, it's about wisdom for any situation that's putting you under stress, causing you to strive. Because see, that's what temptation is. Temptation, in other words, the, the thing that will solicit us or draw us into doing evil is when we desire something and, and that desire, when it's, when it's a godly desire, natural desire, when we desire something and the pursuit of that or the way we're pursuing that puts us in stress. It causes us, it causes us to have this temptation, this inclination to abandon God's process and go some other way. And the Bible tells us when we're put in those situations that cause us to strive and to feel stressed and to feel scrutinized, you know, feel like we're failing, it doesn't tell us to get a miracle. Now, I'm not against miracles. I want you to know I wouldn't be alive today if it if it were not for miracles. But the whole concept of us, you know, laying hands on everybody and taking something to them they don't have, and Jesus modeled that, is what we do for the world. That's what we should be taking to the world. So we've taken what should be going to the world and we only use it in church. And, uh, and so what should be happening in church, rather than people looking to some pastor or preacher or elder or, or gifted person and thinking they have some part of God that you don't have and you got to get it from them. Rather than that, church should be the place where we're always reminded of who we are in Jesus, what we have in Jesus, what he accomplished for us at the death, burial, and resurrection. It should be always pointing us back to all of the good things that are in us in, in Christ Jesus. And and so the Bible tells us when we're, when we're facing these situations, it's not a miracle we need to be seeking. We need to be seeking wisdom. And so in every situation, we need to know God's wisdom. We know God's promises. See, God's promises, are they're, they're simple to know. And if you believe the new covenant, then you just read any promise in the Bible and you go, you know what, that, that's mine. It's already been given to me in Jesus. Now, wisdom is how do I walk into this? How, you know, because I've got issues, you know, that, that I may not even recognize that I have. And I can't dig around and try to fix all of my issues. That's just, that's crazy. You do not want to spend your life and focus your attention on trying to fix all of your issues. You want to spend your life and focus your attention on, on identifying who you are in Jesus. And, and that way you're inspired and fully committed to being that person, to letting that person manifest in you. So, you know, there's a lot of missing pieces in our concepts of operating faith. One of the missing pieces is my faith, even though I have this faith, it can become inactive. It can become ineffectual. And, and one of the missing pieces is how do I... Uh, how do I make my faith effective? How do I get my faith activated? Second thing is, when I'm facing a situation, how do I need to be applying faith? And that's where I need wisdom in any situation. And, and you know, you just go down the list. Let me, let me just kind of just touch on a few things here. You know, one of the concepts that we have is, is that faith is blind. And there is nothing farther from the truth because God never, ever, ever, ever ask you to do something that he has not first shown you what it is or explained it to you or, or given you his word to teach you about it. And if, it, if it's a promise that he has made to anybody anywhere in the Bible, then, then because of the new covenant and because Jesus inherited all that is God's, 
then we are in Him. Therefore, every promise that God has ever made to anyone is yes to Jesus. And because we're in Jesus, it's yes to us. Just that simple. So, you know, knowing what the promises are, that's, that's not really a problem. But sometimes knowing how to walk this thing at the wisdom for practical application, that, that's, that's an issue. So, but, but you got, if you start out from this concept that faith is blind, faith is just a blind leap off the cliff. Let me tell you something. And you'll leap off the cliff and, and uh, you'll hit bottom and, and break up your life and you'll be blaming God, not understanding why God let you down. So faith is not blind. Actually, faith is seeing something clearly, but it's about seeing it in your heart, not necessarily with your eyes. You know, secondly is the idea that faith is just a religious concept. Faith isn't just a religious concept. You know, interestingly, everybody operates faith in something. God has given every person a measure of faith, a capacity for faith. And so people are always operating faith in something. And so, and so many times because of the educational system, and sadly, and I, and, and I hate to say this, you know, I was in a discussion with somebody yesterday uh, who grew up and their brothers and sisters were strong, you know, they were believers, they, they, they loved God, they served God. One of the sisters goes off to college and comes back and doesn't even know if she believes in God anymore. Because in college, false science is passed off as being, as being absolutely true. You know, one of the, one of the first rules of, of physics and of science is that there are nearly no absolutes. And, and we are presented these abs, what they call absolutes of science and of physics. And the, the irony is, is if you actually read and study these things for yourself, you find out that these so-called absolutes are not absolutes. But people go off, they go to school, they study science, they study all, all these things, and they come back brainwashed because they have actually chosen to believe something other than what God's Word says. Now, the word doubt means to choose between two. So one of the things that makes people become unstable is, is they've got two things to choose. They've got God's Word to choose, and then they've got whatever else they got through their education or through their tradition or through their culture or through religion or whatever. And doubt chooses the other. So, so, Faith is something that's inherent. You know, even scientists, stop and think about this. Even a scientist, usually when they start every research project, they start with faith. They start with a deep conviction of what they're going to accomplish. So, so uh, we have all of these, all of these messed up concepts about faith. You know, the concept that I've got to get more faith instead of activating my faith. But anyhow, so the real question is, you know, what's really missing in my faith? And we talked some about this last month. You know, why does it work so inconsistently? And that's one of the things that people just struggle with so much is, is, is I know I believe God, but it, it, it just works so inconsistently that eventually this is not something that I can count on. And I'll tell you something, your faith should be something that doesn't fail you. It should, your faith should always eventually produce what it is that you believe for. And it will if you don't, if you don't throw it away. So listen, we've got a lot to say about this. We want to get you to the place where you've got unshakable faith. Now listen, be sure and take just a minute and just like this message. If you'll click right now uh, on the bottom of the screen there, you can like this message. And one of the things that happens when you like these messages, this causes more people to see and hear the gospel and we influence more lives. I'll be back in just a minute. Don't go away. You know, there's nothing 
more important than protecting your faith. That's one of the reasons the Bible tells you to guard your heart because out of your heart flows all of your abundance of the life because out of your heart is the seat of your faith. And listen, Faith the Missing Pieces is one of these series. I've gotten hundreds and hundreds of testimonies of people who recovered, lost, destroyed, and weakened faith because they learned the pieces that would put all of it back together and make it work like it was supposed to. You want to get this and you want to establish your faith. You know, one of the most important concepts about arriving at faith, you know, we, over the last 50 or 60 years, and, and I understand how it got here, there was so much emphasis on faith for things. And you do even find that phrase about things. You know, faith is a substance of things hoped for. And we touched on this last month that that word things is not necessarily talking about stuff. In other words, uh, it's not about trying to believe for stuff, believe to get this, believe to get that, you know, believe to, you know, some people, you know, they're trying to believe for a new car, trying to believe for a new house, trying to believe for all these kinds of things. And I'm not saying there's absolutely no place for that in faith, but I'm saying that's not what the scripture is talking about when it talks about faith being the substance of things things hope for. You know, there's a lot of things you hope for that if you receive them, it'll probably destroy you. And we, we talked about this a few weeks ago that the word things there has to do with things that have already been accomplished. Now, I want you to realize something. God, again, has, is saying to you that I want to, to give you some things, but I want you to understand my part of it is finished. Jesus has come. Jesus has, has acquired all of this through his death, burial, and resurrection. So these things are given to you freely. And you access these things by your faith. But it's important to know that you are not trying to get God to do something new. You're not trying to get God to do something different. You're not trying to get God to give you something that you don't have. God is love. And you know, the interesting thing about love, you know, first of all, the, the very nature of God of love is uh, to give. You know, John 3, 16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave. And so the essence of love has to do with, with giving. And we know that, that love always uh, holds the other person in high regard, that love always treats you as you're precious and special. And that's why, that's why it's the nature of love to give, because if somebody's special to you, if you care about somebody, uh, if you hold them in a high regard, then it's your desire to give into or seed into, into their life. And so God by nature is a giver. And because that God is love, everything that God does is proactive. The, you know, our concepts of faith tend to unintentionally, I think, I don't think the teachers of this mean for this to happen. Sometimes it's the way it's taught. Sometimes it's the way it's heard. But we kind of have this, almost have this concept that, that, God has made it hard for us to get the good things. You know, I can't tell you how many times over the last 45 years, you know, people just say, this is hard. It's like, no, if it's hard, then either, if it's hard, either you don't have the right facts and trust the right facts, or you got a problem of diligence and you just don't like to put forth effort in, into something. Because this really should not be hard. It should really be pretty simple. You know, the only thing that would make faith hard is the fact that we're struggling 
with doubt. We're wavering between two points. We're choosing between two. And, and we've gathered all the evidence to believe something else, but we haven't gathered the evidence to believe whatever it is that, we're, that we need to have happen in our life. So, but it's important to know that this is a finished work. You know, somebody wrote me one time and said, why do you call this the finished work of Jesus? It's not finished if I've got to believe something. Well, his part is finished. And, and, and I've had people say, so how does that help me? Well, I'll tell, how, tell you how it helps you. It means that you're never approaching God trying to talk him into doing something. You're never approaching God trying to find out what he is willing to do. You're always approaching God on the basis of what he has already done, what he's already provided for you through the death, burial, and resurrection. And there'll never be one time that you will have a need in your life that God has not already met. You know, I, I make this statement sometimes. I've had some people question it and, and not understand it. But you know, I make this statement that the potential for all outcomes already exists. And, um, you know, by that, you, you have to realize that if the work of Jesus is a finished work, then the outcome for your healing, it, it, it already exists. The outcome for you to come out of lack, the outcome for peace and joy, the outcome for happiness, all, you know, these are all potentially there because God has already given you everything that you need for life and godliness. So you're not trying to convince God to create this particular outcome. As a matter of fact, faith is the evidence of things not seen. It's not the evidence of things that don't exist. It's the evidence of things that right now at this, at this moment you cannot see with the natural eye or with the natural senses, but it already exists. And where you can see it, of course, is with your heart. But I want you to understand, faith doesn't start with trying to believe God for his individual promises. Faith starts and this is the first step to unshakable faith. Faith starts by believing in the character and the nature of God. Now, so many people are confused about the character and nature of God because of what religion has taught us. And, you know, when you go back and read the Old Testament, I'm telling you, if you, if you don't read the Old Testament through uh, the life of Christ, it can get pretty scary, and you can get a really negative image of God. And sadly, so many of those things in the Old Testament, and there's not, there's not anything wrong with the Old Testament. There wasn't anything wrong with the Old Covenant. But we try to relate to God the way people in the Old Testament under a different covenant related to God. And so, you know, we're, we're not even approaching God on the basis of His covenant and we're approaching him from a perspective that because we misinterpret the Old Testament, that we see God as, as fear-based, as trying to move us by fear and using wrath and all of these negative things. But the reality of it is, everything God has ever done, he has done from the motive of love. I'm talking about a love that, first of all, is proactive, a love that uh, has value for the human race, a love that holds the human race in high regard, a love that wants the very best outcome for the human race. And so we see God's ultimate love through the Lord Jesus. Because when Jesus came, you know, first and foremost, I've said this to you hundreds of times, I'll say it to you hundreds of more times until you get it. Jesus is the only basis that we have for interpreting and applying 
all that God ever said in, in what we call the Old Testament. And, uh, you know, the Old Testament, keep in mind, that's, that's, that, that's uh, our terminology. That's terminology that was put on that part of the Bible by religious people seeking to create this di dispensational dividing line. The Old Testament is just an account of, what, of, of man's interaction with God, and, and the first five books of it are an account of what God specifically said to man about how to treat one another and really about how to walk in one another with one another. And sadly, we translated that those Hebrew, that Hebrew word into a word that we call law, which is a horrible translation of what God was given us. God was actually given us, in the Hebrew, it, it, it's more of a, of a prescription or a divine prescription for how to live life and have the best quality of life that there is. So to start with, we, we, we read the Old Testament, totally misunderstand it. We, you know, we, we, we think we think all of these laws were given, or all these prescriptions were given to make us right with God, but they were actually prescriptions for how to treat one another, how to walk in love, how to have civil order. And, and there's so many aspects of that that we just totally get wrong because we don't interpret it in light of Jesus' life and teaching. But when Jesus came, God was taking a, pro, a proactive step, and that proactive step was, I am going to solve man's problem. I am going to uh, create uh, all that man will ever need to have the best life that he could possibly have. And I'm going to do it first. I'm going to initiate this. I'm not going to do it because man deserves it. I'm not even going to do it because man's calling out for it. And the real truth is we know that God made this decision from the foundation of the earth. Before the earth was created, before man ever sinned, God, you know, God realized that, that he would have to make a way for people with a free will to be able to have a relationship with him and to be able to connect with him. And so he did this through Jesus and said, really, you know, I don't, I don't want anybody to not have an incredible life. They may choose to, they may go in a different direction, but I don't want anybody to have a less than an incredible life. And so he made that decision. He brought Jesus into the world and, and Jesus uh, obtain for us what's called the new covenant. And the Bible calls it a covenant of peace. Because see, remember, on the cross, Jesus became our sin. Then he took the wrath of God that we deserved. And he died the death that we deserve, and, but he continued to believe God's promise about him being Lord and, and being raised from the dead and him reigning eternally at the right hand of God. He believed all of God's promises. He would not let go of that. And so by faith, he took hold of his true ultimate identity and was raised up from the dead and received an inheritance from God. And in that inheritance, he received all that was God's. And that's why every, every good thing that God has uh, abides in Jesus. And because we are in him, we share in that. But remember, all of that happens by faith. And that's why we're talking about faith. That's why last month we talked about how to bring your faith to life. That's why we're talking this month about faith, the missing pieces, because, because it doesn't do any good that God has freely given us something. If in fact, we don't know how to activate our faith and take hold of it and bring it to ourselves. But all of this starts by seeing and believing that God is good, 
that God is only good, that God will never hurt you. And see, the covenant that God made with Jesus, the reason it's called the covenant of peace in Isaiah 54, is because he promises Jesus. He says, look, even though I poured my wrath on you, even though, you know, you went through this, I promise you that I will never take my kindness from you. I'll never pour wrath on you again. So because we are in Jesus, God's kindness will never depart from us. He would, it would have to depart from Jesus to depart from us. God will never pour his wrath on us because to do so, he would have to pour his wrath on Jesus. So the starting place of faith is not trying to convince yourself that God wants you to have things. That's not the starting place. The starting place of faith is who is God? What is his character or nature? And if you believe in the character and nature of God as presented through the Lord Jesus Christ, then that becomes your first rock, your first stone, your first stepping stone or standing place of being completely and totally unshakable. I'll be back with a mentoring moment in just a minute. Don't go away. If you're ready for your faith to explode into something effective and powerful, if you're ready to take everything you know about God and bring the pieces together so they work, then you want to get faith the missing pieces. I'm telling you, it's going to transform your belief, your trust for God. You know, God has opened some great doors for us. I want to give you the opportunity to step through them with us. We just recently sent about 125 copies of Taking the Limits Off God to some of our veterans that are deployed in the Middle East. We also just sent about 150 copies of How to Stop the Pain to a prison that's taking prisoners through using this book and doing a book study together. We've also started dozens of Bible schools in third world countries over the last few months. And we do all of that without asking for a dime or charging them anything because I always tell them our world changers always want to be a part of reaching people around the world. I want you to consider becoming a world changer or at least giving us a generous donation to help us. We've got more books to send out. We've got more Bible schools to start. We are changing the way the world sees God and we are spreading this message all over the world, but I need you to help me financially. So be sure and go to our website and become a part of our World Changer family. You know, the Bible tells us that Jesus is the cornerstone. He's the cornerstone of our faith. He's the cornerstone of our relationship with God. And every, every single aspect of relating to God, every single aspect of living by faith is built or established on this cornerstone. It is the stone that, that holds all of the pieces together. So we want to make sure that when we look at God, we're always looking at God through the Lord Jesus. Now, one of the things that I always do, I color code every Bible that I buy. And I color code the Bible. Uh, and, and like, for example, you know, faith is, is, in, is in yellow. The blood of Jesus is in red. Uh, miracles are in, are in, I would think, light blue. Uh, uh, love is in dark blue. So, so I've actually got about 20-something different codes that I use in my Bible so I can flip through my Bible and encourage myself anytime I want to. Something I'm going to encourage you to do, and I'm going to encourage you to do this in the book of Mark because the book of Mark is short. It's the shortest of the Gospels, and the book of Mark is really all about power and showing, uh, showing the power of God through the Lord Jesus Christ, which also is the power that, that we have. But I want you to read through, between now and next week, I want you to read through the book of Mark. It's just 16 short chapters, you should be able to read through it easily over the next seven days. And everywhere that Jesus works a miracle, I want you to color code it. And I want you to think about 
uh, several things. Think about your traditional beliefs and ask yourself this question. Did Jesus make this person solve all of their problems before he prayed for them and, and got them healed or delivered? Did Jesus require anything of them other than to come and believe? Um, and just kind of go through asking yourself those kinds of questions. Did Jesus ever say no to anybody that came to him with a need? And then you want to determine, now is this the way I see God? Because if Jesus is the chief cornerstone upon which all faith stands, and if he's how I see God, I've got to make sure that I am seeing God the way he presented through his life. If you'll do this, then by next week, I'm telling you, you'll be a quantum leap before you are now, and you'll be ready to jump ahead. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com, with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.